Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Football Chat with May and Kat. We're two Australian girls, football fanatics, and good friends who spend most of our time watching, playing, or talking football. I'm May and I live in London. And I'm Kat living in Sydney. But no distance will stop us from football chat. Let's kick off. Welcome Keegan Linda Boom to the podcast today. It is such a pleasure to have you. Not only because you're our first international guest, obviously, other than May, who's in Cyprus, um, but because you're actually killing it in the Thai League as well. Now, as with every podcast, we want to kick off with a bit of career history and just know more about where you are today and, and what's keeping you busy. First of all, thanks for, for having me. Uh, it's, it's definitely a pleasure to be on a show like this. Uh, where do I start? So I guess I, at the moment, obviously, I'm in Bangkok, um, but I started my football career, I guess, when I was four, five years old. So I'm actually born in South Africa. Uh, so from five years old, I've been playing football. Um, and even at that age, they're, they're kind of selecting for academies and, and that kind of stuff. Uh, so from an early age, I was, I was pretty much training almost every day. Uh, and then my family immigrated to New Zealand, uh, when I was 10, uh, still carried on with my football. I was based in Auckland, uh, eventually worked my way up, uh, until I was 18 and played for a team called Waitakere United, uh, which is quite a big team in New Zealand. Uh, so I played for their youth team. And we ended up winning the national championship. So I guess if you picture the A-League with teams from, say, you know, different states, New Zealand has the same where each city kind of has uh, one team and they all go into like a tournament or a league. Uh, so, yeah, we won the national league when I was 20. Um, and then from there, I moved into the first team. Uh, I was a young player, though, so I didn't really get much game time. Uh, but the experience was obviously really good as the club was going to the FIFA Club World Champs as well. Awesome. Uh, and then I ended up actually going to, oddly enough, I went to Fiji. So someone just so happened to watch one of my games and said, oh, you know, have you ever sort of going to go play in Fiji? Uh, they kind of, they are in this Oceania football championship. Uh, so long story short, the Oceania Football Championship, the winner of that tournament goes to the FIFA Club World Champs to represent Oceania. Uh, so it's normally a team from New Zealand, whether it's Waitakere or Auckland City, uh, but a, a Fijian team had come along and said, hey, we want you to, to come play for us. So that was the first time that I actually traveled for football properly uh, by myself. So here I was, I went to Fiji, uh, obviously massive culture shock. Mm. Uh, but I think I was there for about three months in total. Uh, so the, the team was kind of based all in the same place at camp. Uh, we would train every day, uh, morning and afternoon. And eventually, the, the, I think maybe a month and a half after the tournament started, 
uh, and we actually lost in the semi-finals to Team Wellington, obviously a, a team from where I was from. Uh, and then after that, I, I went back to Auckland, uh, signed again for Waitaker United. Uh, I think I played two years at Waitak. And uh, one of the games I was injured and this agent came along and he was like, oh, you know, have you ever thought of, of actually going overseas and, and playing pro rather than, you know, the little gigs that you have here and, and all that? So I said, yeah, of course. And he said, okay, well, make me a video. Um, I'm going to come watch one of your games again, but I've seen enough about you. Uh, I'm thinking that I could maybe send you to Asia or South Africa where you're from. So as a player, you know, you don't really believe that kind of stuff. So it's just, you know, you just in one ear and out the other. You don't really believe it. Uh, made the video from the footage that I had from New Zealand and, and Fiji. Sent it to him. Uh, I think about three months later, he was like, you know, you know, I've got a team in South Africa that are interested in, in you. Do you want to have a chat with them? Uh, the team was called Bloemfontein. Yes, Bloemfontein Celtics, which is, uh, you know, a pretty good team in the South African Premier League. So there was an agent involved in that as well. So I, I had a Skype call with him and he was like, look, the team's kind of interested, but they want you to be a local player. They don't want you to be a foreigner because they don't have any spots left. You were born here. So clearly that means you should be a local. So I had to go through the league and, and message him and say, hey, look, I'm on a New Zealand passport. Uh, what does that mean for me? Ended up that I qualify as a foreigner, not a local. Uh, so the team, the team said, look, we don't have any spots available, but maybe, you know, next year we could bring you along. Obviously, I was gutted because that was my chance to actually go properly overseas. Uh, and then the original agent was like, look, don't worry. Like, I do have another option. I would like to send you to Asia if you want to, want to go. So let's see how that works. Literally about a month later, he was like, hey, I've got a team in Singapore uh, that are keen on you. Would you want to go? And I jumped at it more than I did at South Africa because I was like, wow, Singapore, you know, one of the one of the best places, safest places in the in the whole world. Um, of course, I'd like to go. Uh, so that was, I think, around end of Jan, early February. And then back and forth, obviously, I'm a bit nervous. What's going on? Haven't heard any news. Uh, a week later, he said, oh, you know, they're waiting for the president to sign that off. And I would just, just wait, wait. Two weeks happened, like two weeks went by, like what's going on? Uh, and then finally, I think I got a call three weeks later and was like, yep, cool. Uh, they want you to come along, uh, send me your passport details, and they are going to buy your ticket to come over and you'll sign when you get there. Okay. Uh, it was all surreal to me because I was just like, you know, like, what is this really happening? Uh, at the time, I was playing for Waitakere, and which is semi semi pro, and I was working part time as well. So I had to, you know, give my notice into my job, give give notice into my team, which was a month. You know, uh, sell my car, like do all things that I didn't think I had to do. Pretty much pack up my life. Um, had a a chat to my girlfriend, and I said, you know, like, are you going to come along? Obviously, I want to go. I would love for you to be there. Uh, she ended up working out that she could uh, work from overseas. So, yeah, we pretty much packed up. I went first, uh, got there, uh, did a couple tests. You know, we had to do, um, I think we had to do a running test as well. It's just your standard, you know, doctors and physio assessments signed. And then, yeah, it all kicked off from there. 
um, from there. Oh, sorry. I was just, just quickly while you talk about kind of that initial move, what was what was the biggest challenge moving your life over other than obviously having a relationship and having to try and get that across as well? But um, I guess what were the what were the cultural differences that shocked you at first? Well, I think at first I just didn't didn't really know what to expect. Um, I knew obviously no one on like it's a bit different for Fiji because I kind of knew some of the players who had been playing in New Zealand that were going over. So it was an easy transition for me to be amongst people, I guess a few people that I already knew. Uh, but that decision was like, I'm going to know absolutely no one. Uh, it's just going to be me pretty much. And then when I got there, I realized, uh, okay, like pretty much everyone speaks English. So I don't have to worry about the language. Um, and it was kind of a small, small country, but the club were really good. They did everything for me from the time I arrived, they, they, they picked me up. Uh, they took me to the condo where I'd be staying, which obviously they handled. Um, they, you know, any, anything I needed, they were pretty much there for whether I needed to go to the doctors or whether I needed a certain, you know, kind of product or whatever, they were always helpful in terms of football though, I think the biggest challenge was a different style of play. So in New Zealand, it, it's, it's quite, I guess it's quite more physical and I, a little bit quicker of a game. Whereas in Singapore, it was, I think a bit more technical. So that was the biggest adjustment for me where I had to kind of relearn, I guess not relearn how to play the game, but how I could play my position more effectively in a different league. Uh, and I had been signed as uh, a striker, but I had played my whole life as a winger, so they could always swap me between the two. Wow. Um, but yeah, just relearning how to play up front in a game where, you know, I'm used to, I guess, more counterattacking and everything being quite quick. Whereas here, it was kind of yeah, a bit more technical. Um, but from there, comes... so yeah. No, oh, sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> um, but the first thing that comes to my mind when I think about Singapore and Bangkok is um, how hot and humid it is. Oh, and yes. <laughs> I could, I mean, I struggle to walk outside when I'm in those kind of uh, Southeast Asian countries. But how do you find actually playing football there? So the good thing I think was that when I was about to leave for Singapore, I was playing uh, over the summer in New Zealand, which obviously does not get that hot. But I mean, at times we'd get to maybe 28, 27, 28. And I was playing, I think at about 2 p.m. Uh, on the weekend. So it was pretty much at, at peak time for it being around 27, 28. But yeah, definitely when I landed, I was like, oh my gosh, I think it was like 33 degrees and you just get hit, you know, with the wave straight away. Um, but surprisingly, I think it only took me about two weeks to kind of climatize to training in that weather. Uh, and I think back then trainings used to be at five o'clock. So you'd only probably get about an hour in such heat. And then it kind of cooled down a little bit. Um, but yeah, killers, I guess, were if we were training in the morning and that was 10 o'clock, then by the time training is finished, it's midday and it's just, it's insane. Just but I think, yeah, I think it took me about two to three weeks to, to, to get used to it. And the good thing was our games were normally about 6.30 under lights. So I think, yeah, had games been about, say, two or three o'clock, I don't think I would have coped. But lucky for me, everything seemed to be after five o'clock. So that... It wasn't as bad as you think it would be. Do they, do they make the games later, do you think, as 
because of the weather it's it makes it a, a I think so yeah yeah I think so um players yeah I think even their players struggle in the heat um when we have training say at 10 o'clock as much as I'm dying after the session and how hot it is so the the, the local players so I think the league purposely decides to have games late afternoon early evening just to help yeah and so after Singapore, you you find yourself where? So after Singapore, I wasn't sure if I was going to re-sign with the team or not. Uh, I mean, I enjoy, enjoyed my year, but there were obviously I was missing home and being away from family for a whole year. Uh, my girlfriend had come, but then I think the last two months she had gone home early. So again, I was back to being by myself. So excited to come home, uh, get home. And then I get a message from the agent to say, uh, would you ever think of going to Canada? Uh, obviously, I know you want to go back to Asia because you kind of got a taste of it. But there is a brand new professional league starting in Asia. Oh, sorry, in Canada. Um, and I think it might be an avenue for you to explore. So I was, you know, thinking, oh, yes, great, Toronto, here we come. Uh, and then I think the team that was interested was a team called Halifax. Uh, trying to think where that is now. But, yeah, the team was definitely called Halifax, which was not in Toronto. Uh, and there was another team in Winnipeg that was also kind of interested, and I just had a friend sign for them. So, again, I was excited to go. Uh, this time I'd actually spoken to the coach directly of Halifax. I think it was like Christmas Eve and I had got a call from him and he was just, just saying, look, I, I've watched quite a few of your games in Singapore. Uh, we'd be really keen to have you. Uh, I just need to get it signed off by the president, blah, blah, blah. We'll be in touch with your agent, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. I was thinking, you know, it's a done deal. I'd already spoken to the coach, which I hadn't done in Singapore. Um, and then three weeks later, I think the agent messaged me and he was like, I've got some bad news. The president has decided to go another route. And even though the coach does want you to come, uh, you kind of can't overrule the president who has gone with or wants to go with someone else. So I was like, no shit. I now have, I think a month and a half to find a new team. Cause now it's January and the windows just open. Mm. And I think I have until the end of Jan to now try get back into Asia, uh, which is tough. So obviously we, I spoke with the agent and I was like, look, obviously we need to try. And he's like, yeah, we'll do whatever we can, but just know that you're, you're giving yourself 30 days and most clubs already sign their players by early January to get it over and done with. But let's see what we can do. Turns out we couldn't get anything in that window. And I was like, okay, damn, I don't really want to spend another year playing in New Zealand as a filler or wait until June, July when the second window opens. Uh, and it just so happened that I knew quite a lot of players in Melbourne. And a friend of mine had always said, why don't you just come play, you know, state league over here, even if it's only going to be for half a year or, or a filler, uh, you know, you get to see friends that you hadn't seen in a long time. You get to carry on playing playing football in another country. So I ended up going to Melbourne, playing for a team called uh, Kilo Park, which is in the State League. Um, and I mean, I did have offers from MPL, I think MPL won the, the, the top league. 
uh, with a team called, oh, what are they called? I'm trying to think now. Uh, I know they wear green and they their name and the club has green in it as well, but I can't think of what they are. Um, anyway, I, I had an offer to go to a really good, good club in Melbourne. Uh, but I kind of saw it as an opportunity to kind of just, because it was so last minute, I was like, look, I'm going to go more in a place that I feel comfortable. And that meant going to a team that I already knew some people at. And yes, it was only semi-pro, but, I mean, the club sorted out accommodation and uh, obviously I was getting uh, paid for it as well. So it was kind of an easy transition to go to, to Australia. And I already had uh, some family there. So my girlfriend's brother lived there with his wife. It was easy to settle down. In terms of the difference between, okay, the, the Singaporean league, the league in New Zealand and the league that you played in Melbourne. I'm just curious, did you find that yeah. the attacking style was prevalent in Australia like it was in New Zealand or was it more tactical like Singapore? Uh, Australia reminded me more of New Zealand, but it was actually a lot more physical than in, uh, New Zealand. So I signed there as a winger, actually, not not a striker. Um being a winger, I'm bound to get, you know, fouled and <laughs> from defenders and slide tackles coming in, you know, left, right and centre. So it was, yeah, it was crazy. I don't think I'd ever been in a league that was as physical wow. as that. And you had to, yeah, I think some teams, maybe because it was a rivalry between the cultures, um, but in some games you really had to watch, uh, you know, where a player was coming from. And I've seen some some pretty crazy tackles uh, thrown in, in in Australia, but yeah. it was very competitive, and yeah, that, that's what I liked about it. It was actually yeah. very competitive. I think the state and NPL leagues here, I I whenever I watch, I'm always amazed at how physical they are, if not more physical than than the A League. I think um, it's quite aggressive, and it it's fun to watch. But yeah, I can only imagine what it's like to play. Yeah, it's definitely. I mean, I know, I know a player that used to play in the A League, and I actually played with him. Uh, he's in, I think he's playing in India now. But even for him, who was a was a striker, he said to me like the A League is is a lot, probably a lot easier to play in than if you had to go play NPL or, or State League in Australia. So interesting. Um, yeah, very interesting. I think, but I think the lower leagues you play in, they're a lot more physical a lot more how can i say there's just a lot going on whereas the higher you go the game kind of gives you more time on the ball and uh it's definitely more more tactical the higher you go and i think that's what i've learned over the years is that if i'm playing in a lower league i can expect to get kicked and it become a fight pretty much yeah. um and then the higher you go like I'm like oh I have time on the ball with no one around you know like it just yeah. I think that's definitely what I've learned you talked of the cultural almost conflict in in the state league which is interesting because I'm not super familiar with the Victorian state league but I know that in New South Wales that those cultural conflicts are really well known and it's actually a yeah. large reason as to why the a league itself hasn't taken off. Um, the way that it could have, uh, I guess the reputation of the sport in general was damaged by those conflicts in the early days of, of the A-League. 
I'm just interested if you've experienced something similar in New Zealand or if it's something that was quite different about playing in Australia. Uh, yeah, definitely quite different about playing in Oz. There, you don't really have that in New Zealand at all. Like, there's no no uh, culture battle. I mean, New Zealand is multicultural, but there's no uh, what was it in Oz? It was kind of like the the Croatians and you know the Greeks and yeah and all that. Yeah, you don't you don't have that in New Zealand. There, there's no. But I guess that's what made it interesting. That's what made it fun. Is yeah. that when you did play those games that the I'm an Arsenal supporter, so like Arsenal versus Tottenham, like there was a rival that, so you, you played a game against a team, there was an actual rival that, yeah. and it went through the fans as well, which was, I mean, it was good to be involved in. Uh, sometimes not good as a player, but yeah, definitely good to be involved in. Uh, what I found really interesting was you were talking about the the transfer window and how it all fell through kind of a bit late in the process when you thought it was a sure thing. Um, yeah. I, I followed the, we've, I'm sure we all follow the transfer windows every time they open up and you kind of think, Oh, why won't they still get done? Why won't they just sign this player already? What actually, yeah. what actually goes on? Like what, what's the process? How does it happen? Um, I'd be kind of keen to hear a bit more about how that actually goes because it looks like a bit of a, a black hole to us and you think everything goes smoothly, but it doesn't always. So, yeah, there's, I mean, as, as professional footballers, you only get a certain window where you can, can obviously go to a team. Um, but so if I was playing semi-pro, whether that was Melbourne or New Zealand, I can sign for a team in any window. Like there's no window for me because I'm not a professional. I'm considered semi-pro, so I could sign for any professional team at any moment. But coming from a pro team to go to another pro team, you have to sign within the window that that league has it open. Um, so it's tough in the sense of like, okay, if I want to go to uh, Canada, even if another window is open, say if I'm in Singapore and their window is open, I can only sign for a Canadian team when their window specifically opens and not all windows match. Uh, for example, now Thailand has moved their season to start in uh, September and in, in April to kind of go along with the English Premier League. So now their windows are in December and January, which kind of follows the, the Premier League, whereas for most of Asia, the rest of Asia, uh, their season starts in January, February, and ends in, say, September, October. So the two windows don't match. So now it's kind of tough for players to sign because for you to leave your team, say, in Thailand to go to, say, a team in Singapore, you're going from a team that's only halfway through the season or even a quarter way through the season to then go to a team that is in preseason. So it's tough for a footballer to juggle, okay, like, where where do I want to go? What what area do I want to go? Is the window open? Does that mean that I would still be playing in my league? Does that mean that I have to leave my team early and then kind of wait for that window to open to sign? It's um, it can be tough at times, but I guess most of the time you're not the one that's handling that. It's normally an agent that will kind of look at at the specifics of what you need and and when it needs to be done. So, so thankfully, as a player, you kind of only really have to worry about playing and training. And then if a team does come up, it's it's a matter of 
do you want to go to that team? Are you part of the conversations that go on with the club or is that all managed by the agent as well? Yeah, so that's all managed by the agent. You very rarely will speak with the club. Uh, so I know when I went to, to Singapore um, and even here when I went to Thailand, I, I never spoke with the club at all. Uh, my first dealing with the coach in um, Singapore was seeing him at the airport when he came to say hello. And the president was, again, the first time I saw him was at the airport. I had not spoken to him before that. Uh, in Thailand as well, um, I got picked up. And the first time I saw the coach and president was at the first day of training. And I hadn't spoken to them at all. So everything is done done by the agent. And then it's relayed back on to you. Unless they specifically ask to speak to you, which most clubs won't. Um, you literally don't do anything. Everything is handled by the agent. And curiously, with going back to the start of your career, did you yeah. always want to be a footballer and or, or was there something that, you know, got you to that decision? You you started and you were like, damn, I'm actually really good at this. Or was there, <laughs> you know, was it a family um, sport? So my dad did play in, in South Africa, uh, not professionally, but he did play, I guess, to the equivalent of like an NPL uh, in South Africa. Uh, my brother played as well. And my mom played competitive hockey in South Africa. So I kind of, I guess I always grew up in a, in a sporting house and there was always sport on TV. Uh, there was always football on TV. Uh, so oddly enough, my dad and my brother support Chelsea and me and my mom support Arsenal. Mm -hmm. So I guess it's always been a bit of a rival as well, but yeah, there was always sport on TV, whether it was football or or tennis or, or cricket, or there was always football on. So I guess I knew I always wanted to be some kind of athlete. Um, and then I think when I got to New Zealand and I got, you know, picked for academies and, and stuff like that, I was like, yeah, I really want to give this a go. Um, and I guess it was no real decision. Like there wasn't like a, okay, this is what I'm going to do with my life. And I, I think I kind of always knew that this is what I wanted to do. And I would do everything I could to make it happen. And even at the end of the day, if I failed, then at least I know that I, I gave it as much as I, I could. Yeah. And then I would have moved on to something else. But I don't think there was like a real day that I was like, look, I'm going to do this. <laughs> Just wakes up one day and decides I'm going to be a professional footballer. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't think there was an actual day that I, that I decided that. Yeah. And if you hadn't pursued this career that you're you're now a part of, do you think that there's something else you would have done? Is there another hobby that you have that could have turned into a career? Um, I did. So while I was playing part-time, well, semi-pro in New Zealand, I did study fitness training. And I think I always wanted to be a part of the game, regardless of, of if I was a player or a coach or, or a fitness coach. And I think... I don't think I wanted to ever be like a, a first team coach, but I like the idea of kind of being the the fitness coach for the team and relying, uh, sorry, trying to get the team into the physical state that they need to be to be a footballer and kind of handle that side of things rather than have the pressure of, of managing a team. Yeah. Uh, so I did study fitness training, which I guess I could always fall back on later on. 
Um, but yeah, I think I would I would have went down that route and try to, if I wasn't a player, try to get in touch with a team to be like, hey, can I uh, intern at your club or can I, you know, can I lean towards being a fitness coach at your club? Yeah, that would be something involved with the game for sure. Yeah, and let's go back to how you actually. Oh, I completely forgot my question, May. <laughs> <laughs> went like over my head. Um, I was going to ask you, who's the most high-profile player you've played against or played with? Played, played against or played with? Um, oh, most high-profile. It's a tough question because I can think of maybe two, yeah. but maybe one that you would know. We can try and the other try one us. is obviously a lot, a lot older. <laughs> But the one that you would know is um, he was, I think he was MVP of the A-League. So Roy Krishna. Oh, yeah. He played for Wellington. Yeah, so I, he played for Waitakere. So we played together. Oh, amazing. Um, so he played up front and I played out wide. Um, and even when I was in Singapore, they had a friendly there. So he came to see me. But now he's playing in, in India in the Super League. Uh, and the, so I'd probably say that's the highest profile player of today. Yeah that I've played with. Uh, in terms of ever, I'd probably say when I first broke into the first team of Waitakere, there was a player there called um, Neil Emblen and he had played for like Crystal Palace and Wolves and so he'd played in England. Yeah, so he's quite, I think he was at the end of his career and he had moved to New Zealand to become a coach, but at the time he was kind of playing a little bit as well. Uh, so I think they would definitely be the two most high-profile players that I've played with. Very cool. And dream player to play with or against, who would it be? Oh, dream player. <laughs> I think probably my favourite player would be Thierry Henry. So I think playing alongside him would be, obviously not now because he's retired, but at, at the moment I think playing alongside him would have been uh, the probably the best person I can come up with. Yeah, I grew up watching him. Uh, yeah, every day, obviously, watching him and trying to mimic my game off him. So amazing. As much as the Ronaldo's and the Messi's are the greatest ever, uh, for me, my favorite player was definitely yeah, Thierry Henry. That's awesome. I yeah, he's a he's a a brilliant player. Like I don't know why you wouldn't want to play with him. Now, Keegan. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time today. Um, we, good. We're going to wrap it up because we could talk to you forever. Um, but I know. Talking so about football is easy. Yeah. It's, I mean, no worries. we have a podcast about it. Um, anyway, we'd love to get you on the podcast one day if, you, if you're in Australia at some point. Um, but thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Got a question for us? Hit us up on email, Twitter, or Instagram. Just check the description for details. Bye. Mom 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.